Welcome to the CTG Nation Episode 5 podcast. We're sitting down with Bobby's buddy, John. We're going to have some, uh, some fire, fire discussions, some MP discussions, probably some more crazy stories from Kosovo. Uh, before we get in that, just make sure to like, share, review, subscribe to all of our content. That's really organic uh, marketing, as I like to call it. Um, we are on all the platforms now, I believe everything that Anchor has to offer. So Shopify and Apple are the big ones and then a couple smaller ones for you nerds out there. Um, we're still wanting your feedback with you know, how the podcast sounds. We're still using the mics. It's always sounding different. We can also get your input on some guests you might want. Um, if you want, hey, I wanna hear more firefighter stories. I wanna hear more about the guard. Um, like I said, <laughs> we're all uh, kind of either nasty girls or reservists. Um, so we'll, we'll see what we can do. And then with the certain type of people we all have on here, if y'all have any questions, y'all can reach out to us on any of our platforms. Instagram is probably the easiest. I know me and Bobby are on there on the reg. Um, so just hit us up on there for anything. So with a little cleanup work out of the way, John, what's up, brother? What's up, guys? So we're going to not go full interview style uh, this time. I'm going to let kind of John talk about John as much as he wants, and then I'll start me and uh, me and Bobby will pull stuff out of him as we, uh, as we see fit as we're going along. Um, and then we're probably going to get into some constitutional carry bills and what we think of that and uh you know what we think of it as um you know being in the guard and what can that what that can mean for a guardsman what it can mean for a law enforcement officer what it can mean for a firefighter and then we'll throw a little bit of our personal views in there because you know deputy aaron thinks of stuff different than aaron aaron sometimes and we'll get into that too so john however you want to start man just do it What's up, guys? Uh, John, Bobby's friend. Me and Bobby have known each other for, I don't know, a decade or so now. Um, just been kicking with Bobby for a while. Been rowdy. We spent some time in the military together. Uh, with all that entails, that craziness, and then just life in general. Um, grew up down in the low country for the most part. Moved to Beaufort. Um, probably, I don't know, nine, ten years old, something like that. Uh, spent the first years before that in Hawaii. My dad was in the Army, so that's probably where my first influence to do uh, service joined or, or started. So grew up in Beaufort and then have been in South Carolina pretty much since then. So, Yeah, I mean, I think I met you 2010. <coughs> When I joined the unit, you were already there for a little bit. Yeah, but I was like two years in at that point, right around two years, yes. two and a half years. So I got there. Um, you know, you kind of get to a new unit, you kind of find your own clique. Yeah. And I found myself with you and the other rowdy, rowdy bastards that we know. Yeah, it was uh, it was funny because when I first got to the unit in 07, um, our unit was we were still a scout unit at the time. That's why I originally went in as a scout. So, yep, that's right. Spurs and cowboy hats. You can eat my... Never mind. We'll keep it in <laughs> but, uh, so I was I was all about it. I loved it. I was super motivated. I think just about everybody else when they come out of boot. 
I still had the shaved head, one guard, and shirt first drill. I was ready to go. And our unit was actually deployed at the time. So everybody at our unit was all the geriatrics, the people that like couldn't clear medical. It was just the unmotivated people. And I was like, yo, this is horrible. I like requested three or four times to try and get on like the back half of the deployment for like a rear detachment or something. I was basically told, yeah, hit the brakes, it's not happening. So I spent the first year and a half or so in my unit with most of my unit gone, um, which is probably not a great way to build unit morale or cohesion. So I was a couple of random guys there. Um, most of our motor pool guys were still there, in which they were all, you know, motor pool guys, if you know them, are generally pretty rowdy guys, pretty good time. And then uh, the only good thing really about it is we had no cooks, so we didn't have to eat army chow. Literally every single meal was Golden Corral. We went to Golden Corral at 11 o'clock in the morning because they didn't serve us breakfast, and we had an hour and a half for lunch on the on the on your dime as taxpayers to go to Golden Corral. So we did that like once a month, and then when my unit came back, they uh, disbanded the the scouts pretty much from the state and went to. Uh, it was find a new job, and at the time I was in college and the only thing that really fit in my schedule that didn't destroy my college plans was to reclass as an MP so I ended up staying with our unit as an MP um, and that's when I met Bobby and the rest of the rowdy boys that pretty much showed up we were a, a band of misfits pretty much at that station it was, it was pretty fun <laughs> yeah, we're pretty much still I mean for the majority of us are still good friends to, to this day yeah there's probably five or six of us that to this day are still pretty tight knit yeah. I mean we haven't seen each other in a couple of years and some of us have gotten out and moved on and moved to different places but you know it's one of those things where we can still call each other anytime talk um, you know we've had the unfortunate of meeting each other with some friends that we've lost and it, we pick up right where we left it's like nothing's changed it's immediately ball busting starts stories hugs jokes and it's it's a good time always yeah I mean so yeah it's always I would always cherish the the friendship that we always had like with that group of us and it continues to just it continues to be the same yeah um, no, no matter what <clears throat> but I know well so what after that I mean we continue to be friends and then we decided to join the fire department together yeah so that's really i mean that's where so like bobby said in his episode um i went to school originally went to school uh to usc and decided i wanted to pretty much be a moron and not pay attention in classes and screw off and have fun um i did good in the classes that interested me like history uh, English, stuff like that that I'm good at and I enjoyed. Um, I did great in those classes. And then, like, my math class, I showed up for three days out of an entire semester. What was your major? Uh, at first, I was undeclared. I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go to classes. Were you already in the guard at this point? No. So when I originally yeah. went to college, I graduated in 05 from high school. Yeah. Went to college because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to go to college. At Carolina. Everyone does. Yeah. So I went to yeah. USC. I went to USC Buford. Uh, they have a satellite campus down there. And so mm -hmm. I was like, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't apply anywhere. And I was like, at the last second, I was like, yeah, I'll go to USCP for I applied. And they were like, yeah, sure, we'll take anybody. So basically, and I just, I screwed off. I didn't have a zero bit of like intensity as far as what I wanted to do. I was just like, I'm going to go to college. That's what everyone does, right? Um, and so after a year and a half at USC, um, they basically were like, hey, you're academically suspended. They're like, you're a shithead. So after a year and a half of college, I should have had like 
I don't know, it was like 15 or 20 credit hours or some shit like that. I had like seven. My GPA, <laughs> literally when I got kicked out of USC, my GPA was like 0.9. Oh. It was bad. They were like, "What <coughs> the fuck are you doing, guy?" You said point nine. So yeah, still I had something, but it was saying there's a chance. Yeah, it was bad. Like I got kicked out, and I was like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Like I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I was just wasting time. I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna go to school." And it was bad. It was not a smart move. And so I went home, and basically my mom was like, "Yeah, you got to get a job." And I worked. I've been working since I was 14. I have had a job of some capacity full-time in the summer part-time throughout that and she's like yeah you're like she's like you can stay here that's fine she's like but you're not like you gotta have a job like you're gonna do something and I went back to a job I had in high school and I worked there full-time um my managers were awesome the owners that I had and they offered me a job actually at the time to be an assistant manager making at that time I would have been making pretty much what I make when I started at the fire department at which in retrospect, it was a really good salary for an 18-year-old who was being a shithead. Um, and I was like, no, I don't think I want to do this like with my life. And so I was like, I want to go back to school. Um, I need to be smart about this. And I was like, unfortunately, I've lost every scholarship I had on academics because even though I was a shithead, I got decent grades in high school. And so I was like, huh, how am I going to pay for college? Um, and so that's when I was like, Phew. My dad was in the military. We had some service throughout our, our family history in, the, in World War II and my grandfather. And I was like, I'll go in the guard. They'll pay for college. I can go back to school and I'll figure it out. So was military always in the, was it like a back burner thing? Or were you waiting on it? Were you wanting to get that degree first? I didn't really was know there, what I wanted to do. Was there OCS goals? Oh, God. Uh, no, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I mean, my dad was in the Army for 13 years and then ended up getting out. He had some, some got beat up. He was an infantry guy, jumped mm -hmm. out of some planes and stuff like that. And uh, so he just got beat up over his time. He got out and at 13, I think he did 13 years, if I remember correctly, and got out. Now, so he did that. My grandfather was in the Marines. Our great-great-grandfather um, was in the Navy, and he's actually was on one of the ships in Pearl Harbor that sank. And oh, so wow. we had, like, some history there, and it had always been something of service to me that I, it was in my history of as far as family goes. And then my dad, when he got out, like most guys in the military, he ended up becoming a cop, worked in, or, or the, where I grew up, he was a cop. There goes Apollo again. And my godfather <laughs> was a cop. So... Spent a lot of time around that, that lifestyle. Um, it was never something I really thought of. Um, and then when I was in college and when I went back the second time, I was like a little more focused. And I was like, what do I enjoy? What do I think I would do? Um, and that's where my major switched from just a general to criminal justice. Mm. And that sort of set me on the path. Well, criminal justice is, uh, I mean, it's an easier, it's an easier degree. Yeah, I mean, well, I say criminal justice. Originally, when I went to college, I wanted to do uh, sports medicine. That was, like, my big thing. Mm -hmm. I did some classes in high school, and I was like, you know, I want to be sports medicine. That sounds fun. I want to be on the field with players. Yeah. I played sports throughout high school, and I was like, that'll be in line with what I like to do. And so I did. The first time I went to school, it was, like I said, just screwed off, got kicked out, basically. And the second time I went back, I, that was more focused for that, and I took – all the prerequisites at the I went to Midlands when I came back and took all their prerequisite courses which is all your anatomy your physiology all that stuff did really good and all that um, finished up that program and the way they had it set up at the time you had to interview for their sports medicine program and I was like all right cool I'll do that and then got to that phase and they're like all right well the wait list 
just to interview for the program was like a year and a half. Ooh. And so I asked them, I was like, well, like, what do I, like, what, what do I do in the meantime? What do I do in the meantime? They're like, oh, well, you know, you can just like take general classes or this. And I was like, so like, yeah, basically yeah. they were like, oh, you can just take underwater basket weaving. Yeah. Do that for the next year and a half and, you know, fuck off. And I was like, yeah, at this point I've got a little bit of life experience. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not doing that shit. That's stupid. And I was like, cool. What can I transfer all of my credits to? And get me close to a degree. And they're like, uh, you have criminal justice. And I don't even remember what the other one was. And literally in criminal justice, all I had to do was like two semesters of full criminal justice classes. And I had all my prereqs and everything else mm -hmm. to graduate. And so I was like, that's what I'm doing. And so I switched to criminal justice. And, um, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm graduating with in 2011. Okay. So another criminal justice degree. Seems um, to be the catch-all. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, when I... Well, I mean, it kind of, I mean, for, I mean, it's for us military guys, it usually is. I mean, it's yeah. either easy because we want something easy or it's easy in the sense of I need to make sure I have a high GPA for certain selections down the road. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so another rewind. <laughs> yeah, we, we've kind of jacked the time. Yeah, it's, it's it fine. It's it fine. It's fine. I mean, it's our podcast. We do whatever the fuck we want. Um, let's rewind. I always hit on 9-11. Um, you were still a, a shitbag after 9-11, I guess. So, cause yeah, you didn't, so you didn't go, much. you didn't go straight in. Did not go straight in. We were right. kind of making fun of you for being older than us for, for once. We got somebody that's older. I but, know every uh, other podcast we talk about everybody being in yeah, middle school and hearing about yeah, 9 Yeah, or anybody that I've even, <laughs> anybody else I've thought of bringing on, it's, uh, yeah, they're all, they're all younger. Yeah, cause yeah, I mean, I was, I was old when I went to boot. I was 24. And just by the way, folks, I'm, I'm not old. I'm yeah, not old yeah. Old, okay? <laughs> yeah he's actually now. not drinking bourbon. He's actually drinking Metamucil. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was uh, I was in high school. So I was it was actually ninth grade. I remember it was ninth grade. I was I think maybe first or second period. I mean, we would have been on the same bus. And I remember depending on where you were. I remember the teacher's face. I remember the teacher. I can't think of her name now, which is probably horrible because she was one of the nicest teachers to me in high school. And, even though I was a turd in high school, she was pretty nice to me. So you were already here in South Carolina. Yeah, I was in. So I moved. We moved to South Carolina. I think I was. I think I was like eight or nine. I can't remember. Okay. It was young in my life. Yeah. Um. But I remember I was in high school, and I remember we were in class. We were doing like projects in small groups. Um, it was just my geography class, and the phone rang. The teacher picked it up. She was talking. You could see like an actual change in her face. She hung up the phone. In our high school, every classroom had a TV up in the top corner for mm -hmm. morning announcements and all that. Yep. And she said, hey, guys, stop what you're doing. Something's happening. We need to pay attention. And she turned on the news. And I remember sitting there, whatever time it was, and the first plane struck. And that's what the news was playing back was yep. the first hit. We, I, I remember watching the second plane hit the towers. Um, and I was like, at that point, I was like, you know, even at that age, I don't think... I think you know something's wrong, but you don't necessarily comprehend the severity yeah. of it. And so even then, like that whole day, all of, every class was pretty much canceled for the day. You would go to your classroom and the news was on. Everybody, that's what we did for that day. We watched mm -hmm. it. Um, and I remember even like sports practice that afternoon, weightlifting, everything was pretty much canceled. It was like school was done for the day. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely like remember like you didn't do stuff outside because everybody was like, yeah, the school. You didn't was, know if another plane was going to come somewhere. You didn't know which to what me, was. You didn't. We didn't know what was going on for a while. You're yeah, just it was like this weird thing. Like they shut down everything. It was like you're going to go to class. We're going to watch the news. 
And then, you know, at third, you know, what, 14 years old, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm over this shit. Like, I understand something bad happened. I don't want to watch the news all day. And it was like, right. all day. It's just what we watched over and over. And then, really? then the third plane crashed. And it's like this yeah. whole day of just this craziness. It was about three days after that where the school was just like really locked down. We didn't really yeah. do much. And it was really strange time at, at that age. I was old enough to realize like something's going on, something serious. Um, I remember my dad calling me and he was like, are you okay? Like, what do you think about it? And just being like, uh, I don't really know. And my dad was like, you know, you're okay. Don't worry about it. Was he still in then? No. So my dad was a cop at the time, by okay. this time. But he just, he, you know, he had spent the majority of his you yeah. know, life in the military. So he just called me and was like, hey, you're good. Don't worry about it. And all that. And I think a couple of guys that I know from high school all sort of got the bug in, in their in their head at that point because a couple of guys that I've since graduated from high school with have also spent a majority or part of their life in the in the military at some point now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you wouldn't really describe you felt some type of way after, or, I mean, or was it, or were you reflecting kind of, we were talking about you kind of reflect your parents' attitudes and stuff. Yeah, and so my parents were, my parents divorced when I was younger, so I live with my mom, and so my mom was sort of like, I don't want to say indifferent, but she didn't really show a whole lot of emotion about it. I think, I think everybody shows emotion differently, and so I think she was upset, but she wasn't at the same level, like my dad was probably upset, especially with his perspective as the military, and she was just like somber and like sad about it, and I, I knew something was wrong, I was like, that's like, that's pretty, like since World War Two, like history, I love history. And so like World War Two, like America doesn't like that's doesn't happen here. That's yeah, not we like don't, we don't get smacked. We don't we yeah. don't get smacked. People don't come here. Like that's that's the thing. Like when it happens, you're like I was even at that age I was like, that's something's this is weird. Something's crazy is going on. And at that point, even at, at that age, like everything changed. Like I grew up in Buford, which if you don't know is Paris Islands right there. It's a giant depot as far as recruiting and basic and all that and like everything. East Coast. The whole everything amped up yeah. like all of a sudden you know our little town which already has enough marines in it tripled it felt like yeah. pushing people through and uh, it was a definite something in the air at that point at that age you could, mm-hmm. you could tell it was it was coming I mean if you go back to I didn't really not really hit on it like in too in too great of detail on the last one um, but I think at the time you know I was still young enough where I really didn't once I kind of understood in the order I got, the bug kind of hit me later through high school where, like, the older I got, the more kind of, like, pissed off I became about it. Yeah. And why I was kind of pissed off about it, I really couldn't tell you. It's kind of one of the, it's kind of a hard thing to, to really describe, but I just knew that I had to do something. And it was a way – me joining was a way to give back now regardless – you know, I didn't join like straight in active duty to go, to go. You know, straight overseas like a lot of the dudes that. You know, there's I can't tell you how many of the guys that I went through basic with that were in Iraq and Baghdad two weeks after we graduated, which was to me like you know absolutely fucking mind blowing. Yeah. Um, and you know, I have a lot of those dudes that are still in today. You know, well they're they're all like platoon sergeants now active duty wise, but yeah, I mean those dudes were. I mean we graduated, and I remember seeing like pictures of them in Baghdad two weeks later. Yeah. We had, I mean, like, that's insane. I know when my 07, when we graduated, I'm still in touch with a couple of guys from basic. We all, we all sort of keep in touch here and there. And 
probably the handful of the guys then that were in my my platoon and then in my company in the platoon and stuff like that like almost all of them at some point have deployed and went overseas and it's it was quick like within probably a year most of them most of my company was was overseas and they were doing work um so it was it was quick it was one of those things that i mean 07 when i joined like you know we're still building up we're six years into it at this point it's it's pretty much in the thick of things um so there was a lot of guys we they they graduated they went to their duty stations that went active duty and I mean, they were active duty in their units probably less than less than half a year, and they were they were boots on the ground overseas. So, did you not catch that bug then, or were you sitting on it? Did you want to wait on it? You I just, just didn't really know what I wanted to do, man. I was I was indecisive when I was younger. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to be. Um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was younger, and so I think that's probably played a part of it. My dad. Um, my dad was a busy guy. He was a cop. He didn't live close to me. He was not far. He was only about an hour away, but I didn't see him a ton. And so I had to sort of, I became an adult a lot quicker than I think most people do. And I think if you grew up in a household like that, I think it happens for everybody. Um, you know, at, at 14, I knew I wanted to get a car when I turned 15. Like when I started driving at 15, I wanted a car. My mom was like, cool, you need to get a job. Like I can't buy you a car. And so at 14, I knew we had some family friends that owned a glass business that cut glass. At 14, I worked 40 hours a week during the summer. My mom would drop me off at like 7.30 in the morning on her way to work and pick me up at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on her way home. I worked at 14 in a glass cutting factory, getting paid under the table, cutting glass, mm. sending out the beds of truck for rhino linings. Like at 14, I was riding a truck doing window installs in commercial properties. And people were like, that kid looks really young. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Yeah. And I mean, like, literally at 14 years old, I bought, at the end of the summer, I'm like 14 years old, I went and bought a car for five grand cash. I was like, I want a car. I bought a car at 14. Yeah. And I went to the dealership. My mom's like, all right, pick your car. And like, I went in there, and the guy's like, this, this. He's like, talking to my mom. I was like, and she's like, oh, that's this, this, this car. The guy looked at me. I was like, yeah, uh, how much you want for that one? He's like, five grand. I was like, all right, here you go. Cash and, money. Cash money. Here you go. That's what I gave him. And so I grew up really quick. So even at that age, I knew, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So you knew the grind. It just wasn't focused. It just wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't aimed at anything. Yeah, and I, was, I just knew there was always a part of me that thought I was like, <clears throat> you know, that's a back. Like I can, I need to figure out what I want. If I can't figure it out, I'll just go into the military. My dad did it. My grandfather was in the military. I'll figure it out. And uh, when I finally figured it out, when I got kicked out of school, when I had to like be an adult and realize like I definitely made a mistake, I was like, all right. And then I realized, oh, I can, like, they'll pay for my school. I can do some service, do some good. And, I mean, I loved it. I went to boot. And it was, uh, it was I did OSIT, uh, just like Bobby. That's what they were doing at the time for a lot of guys. I did, uh, I went to Fort Knox in Kentucky, um, which was at the time was pretty much the, the home of the, the scouts and of tankers, everything like that. And uh, it was, it was OSIT, I think we did. I think it was all around, like, five months maybe four or five months something like that total time for basic and unit training and uh i loved it i mean it was horrible they beat the shit out of us i got uh definitely had i was definitely heat casualty the one night i, I remember coming back to the barracks and like cramping severely yeah, yeah. and my bunk mates were like bro you need to go to the doctor and i was like fuck that i'm not getting recycled i was yeah. like give me all the salt out of you guys mres and i was chugging canteens of salt water and laid on the bed, cramped over. 
waking up the next even, morning and going to the... That didn't even save me on the island. Yeah, and it was like, I remember the next day it was, uh, like, uh, I can't think of what it is, but it's like your, your like, cover concealment phase when you're like, you're up, they see me, I'm down. And it's like just all day of like up sprinting, dropping to the ground, yeah, up seriously. sprinting, dropping to the ground, like low, You're just dumping sweat low crawling through the mud in full and full you gear. Back the stairs, dude, all day. Oof. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, it was. I mean, it was rough. I mean, they beat the shit out of us, and we had great drills. I remember one of our drills. He was the first piece of armored equipment to cross over into Iraq on the initial invasion. Like that was his claim to fame. Drill start post. Wow. Um, that was his claim to fame is he was the first he was in a Bradley as a calf scout was the first piece of armor equipment to cross the borderline into Iraq and uh, that's badass I mean he was he was an older dude but he was just like stoic like he didn't really yell he had this flat didn't have to monotone voice but when he looked at you and he had that knife hand you were like oh fuck like he just he burned into your soul yeah and, uh, he's one of the, he's one of those few guys I mean he was shit I mean basically he had to be I mean I don't know if life beat him down and he was weathered, but he looked like he had to be in his late 40s. And he was a drill. And he was like an E6. And I remember one time we were doing something at one of the one of the courses out in the field and some officer comes out and starts reaming him and he just stands there just straight lace, just looking him dead in the eye of just pure death. And we're all just watching like, yo, this guy's going to die. Like, he's got about three more seconds before he's about to he is about to <laughs> slam this man on his head and murder him. And uh, he got done. He just looked at me and said, yes, sir. And the guy just looked at him, and he could tell, like, yo, this this, this old man is going to fuck me up if I keep going. And he turned around back to us, and I was like, I like this guy. Like, I knew. I was like, this is for me. I like this. Yeah. Standing up to some of the bullshit. All right, so let's talk about when when you made this, I think you and Bobby made the decision to go into firefighting kind of together. What got you to what got you to that point? So that's for me is a fun I'm I'm very similar in that story as far as Bobby. So we both got before we deployed um, I had graduated in 2011. I was working at an outdoor store here um, full time and was doing that and I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I want to do. And I was like, I got a criminal justice degree. I really feel a call to service. I, I, I want to serve the people. I was like, you know, I think being a cop would be a lot of fun. It fell in line with what I was doing in the guard at the time as an MP. So I just started applying to all the local departments around us. And one of the departments that has uh, works out of the city here, I went to them did the whole process, did extremely well on their physical assessment, on their first initial testing that they did, did really well, did the polygraph, did all that. It got to the, literally to the phase of where it's your final interview where basically you basically meet the chief of the police and he says, hey, this is what I expect of you, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. And so then that's when I found out I was getting deployed. So I, being the good guy that I was, I called them and was like, hey, I just found out I'm going to be getting orders. I'm supposed to be leaving around this time frame, which would have been, it was a several months later. And they basically said, hey, we're going to halt where you're at in the process. Um, you know, we're not going to basically offer you a spot for you to leave. They're like, when you come back, give us a call, pick up where you left off. We'll keep on going. I was like, cool, not a big deal to me. What deployment was that? Uh, it's with Kosovo. Okay, so, so same one. Yeah, same with Bobby. Okay. 
And so I was like, all right, well, cool. So we went and spent that year overseas having a nice vacation in the land of snow and shit. Um, came back, and they basically were like, no, that's not how it works at all. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, you have to start the whole process over. And at that point, I like instantly got a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Um, at that point, I had spent a year overseas with literally nothing really to do other than like work out and get proficient and stuff. So I did even better. Um, at that phase, and at that point, I joined. I had applied for another uh, department uh, that's in a county region here. Um, once again, went out there, nailed it. Which to me was funny because you see some of the people that apply for these jobs when you're there doing these open physical assessments, and some of these people you're like, dude, I, do you roll off the couch? Like you don't look like a physical specimen. Like right. you realize this is at some point your your life could depend on your physical right. abilities, and so did really good there shot really well um you know did their physical agility test and at that time had a, a score high enough to qualify to go straight to their SWAT program They're like yo you're doing great and i was like cool um did all that got to the polygraph um and if you listen to bobby's episode me and him actually had the same uh same polygraph uh Person. Operator, technician, person, whatever you want to call them. So pretty much everybody sitting at this table right now has had a run in with said guy. Polygraph, mm-hmm. um, I felt like it went pretty good, um, but pretty much similar to Bobby. is like, yeah, I don't think you're telling me the truth about some things. Um, come to find out after the process, because me and Bobby are sort of doing leapfrogging each other at this time in the process, both doing sort of the same thing. We came to find out that this guy had some history with us through our unit that deployed. Um, this guy's ex-wife had some issues with some guys in the unit, and I think yet I think personally, you know, he just had it out for anybody. Mm. Um, and so there was some some fuckery was about, and yeah. that put a really bad taste in my mouth. I did I think three different departments in about a year, going through the entire process, and nothing was working out. And I was just like, right. I'm over it at this point. Um, and at the time, one of the, another guy we had deployed with was working at a nuclear plant doing private security. He's like, hey, we're hiring. We need guys. It's mm-hmm. decent money, blah, blah, Come on out here. So I was like, fuck it. Let's go. Put my paperwork into them. And I did, did that. Did two years at that place. Um, the people I worked with, for the most part, I had a lot of really good guys. I keep in touch with a couple of those guys. Really solid dudes. Um, management was trash. And I call it soul-sucking abyss, and I don't understand how anybody stays there. Um, but I did two years there, and I was like, yo, I got to get out of here. Like, this is, I can't do this. Yeah, security jobs can get very boring. Yes. And uh, that's when Bobby called me because he, uh, he knew I was looking around. I talked to him a little about moving out of that and finding something. So before we before we get to that, all of these application woes that everybody has seen with with me seen with Bobby they've seen it with you Kyle's wasn't quite that bad because I think he just applied to one but in South Carolina in kind of the the population hubs so around Columbia around Myrtle Beach around Charleston around Greenville all those guys talk and kind of an unwritten rule that I've seen bite some people in the ass is when you apply to too many places or places that are kind of next to each other or whatever, and they're like, oh, well, 
if he's applying to all these different places, you know, said guy, said gal is not going to be, you know, committed to the county or committed to the city, which I think is very petty and detrimental to some of the, I mean, everybody across the country that's having problems with staffing because they're getting more qualified. We're this generation of long, just first responders, period, and it's even even in the military, this is the most educated, and the people that are in, the most educated and trained candidates for any of this stuff, like, like ever. Yeah. You didn't, like, when my dad went in, you didn't have, well, I mean, he was in the Air Force, so you didn't have airmen with degrees. No. Yeah. Now you have, you know, you can be in the, in the Natty Guard or the Reserve or something, You've got E3s and E4s with bachelor degrees that are doing real shit in their civilian life. And then on law enforcement, that's like, like that's part of the pay scale. It's like, hey, do you, associates, or do you have experience to match the associates? You know, obviously in being 21, four-year degree, uh, master's. There was even one down in the low country that pays a lot of money that had a slot for if you had a law degree to go work the street. Yeah, because you should be really smart to um, catch bullets. So it's one of those old school, that old school mindset. And I was actually just on a on a Zoom call with with our brothers at Valkyrie, um, talking about all the old heads don't want to change, and they're holding or they're they're punishing these kids for looking at all these different places to work because that's what we were raised to do. It's like, okay, you get educated, you put in applications at different places and you see what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And because there's some people that do not work, do not like working for municipalities. The way, the function, they just don't like the way it works. Or working for a sheriff. There's a very cringy term here in South Carolina. <clears throat> you work, <laughs> You work at the pleasure of the sheriff, which yeah, it's cringy to me. It doesn't sound good. <clears throat> so there's departments around here that don't have fully qualified guys, like all the guys that you've heard on this podcast already, and people we're gonna have on here, and people that we associate with, and we're doing other things. I've been at a, I started at a very big, reputable department. I did the boring security thing like John did. I went to a very small police department, which was just kind of my personal curiosity of like, hey, I was somewhere big that had literally everything. Um, but there's only, I mean, in South Carolina, there's a handful of departments that have those type of capabilities. Yeah. Most of the state is where my second law enforcement job was. That's a little municipality in the PD area. Um, that's most of the South. And then the and then the fire departments are the same too. It's like the same like, I mean, I, I remember a, a, a structure fire um, when I worked at that small department, and the whole fire department was there. Like all of the firefighters were there, and they were rotating. And I mean, I don't know the, you know how that how that works, but they were all rotating out, and you they they'd be on the mat, and they're checking everybody's oxygen or whatever. But it was like maybe a squad size element, and it was all the firefighters for the city. Yeah. Um, so sorry, rant there. I just gotta point out some of these flaws that we deal with 
for more or less being overqualified first responders. Yeah. That, that, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, I know we'll get that respect eventually. Because, um, I mean, even the game, you know, I'll talk to officers and, you know, they've been in like less than a decade. Um, and it's different than it is now. I remember I, I saw a handwritten warrant for the first time maybe just a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was the carbon, you know, the carbon paper and it had the pink copy and the white copy or whatever, but I mean, it was yeah, legit. The judge, the judge had it, you know, in his desk and it was a completely different warrant number that like, you know, you kind of recognize what the warrants and all that and the reports and all that. And, and it's wow. just, and, and all of it's changing so fast. I mean, you can see what's going on in the, in the public and people are not wanting to, and, it, and I fucking hammer this all the time, is adapt and overcome, and the leadership does not want to do it. And it's hurting us. From fire to EMS, and then especially being in the old South. Yeah, definitely. So, I just wanted to get, get that out there with what what everybody has seen with what we got going on. Um, so let's pick up Let's see, Bobby reached out to you, and it's like, hey, let's go be yep. firefighters. So like, let's go, <laughs> let's go red, not he blue. He literally called me and was like, hey, this department's hiring. You should put in with me. Let's do it. And I, was, I looked at it, and my wife will laugh when she hears this if she listens because when I got back from my deployment, I was trying to figure out what I want to do. She was like, why don't you go be a firefighter? And I was like, firefighter no like i like to be a biofire but i'm not trying to burn up right and you know she'll laugh now and be like yeah i told you five years ago you idiot and um but i was i was just like nah that's not for me and then sure enough you know two and a half years later i'm like oh i'm gonna go apply to apartment you know fire department she just looked at me and was like really like i, I told you to do this shit two years ago and so i was lucky enough me and bobby both got hired in the same class um, which was pretty cool. I was like, ah, cool. I automatically know somebody. So this makes this experience a little less shitty of like this awkward, like, yeah. hey, hi, how are you? Well, Someone and they trained, <laughs> and we said this in Bobby's uh, episode, they trained the shit out of y'all. Yeah, we were we were pretty lucky. Our class, so our training captain at the time, um, <clears throat> it was our class and the class after was his last two classes as a training captain before he went back to the floor. Uh, and he is a... Uh, I like to say former Marine because it pisses you guys Ooh. off. Former. Yeah, I like to give him a hard time. It just also, hurts my he brain. He had that SRO like uh, safari cap in his office, and I used to always ask him what uh, what he was killing that day because uh, <laughs> I think it's funny. But he is uh, honestly one of probably the best influences that we had in that period. Like he was hard nosed and spent a considerable amount of time beating us into the fucking ground. Which to me was just like basic again, so I loved it. Like there was long shitty days, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's always a part of it that you, that you love and hate. There's some people like, oh, I never want to go back and do it again or whatever. And um, I always try to tell people, what like, you volunteered for that. Yep, I'll do it in a second. I I enjoy the suck. Like, I mean, police academy is not is not hard here, but y'all, I mean, Bobby, we were living together. You would tell me that shit every day, and I was like, "Oh, that's it's literally boot camp." Yeah, dude, it, it was it was hot trash. But a times, I mean, it was honestly though, it was probably some of the. I mean, 
That was some of the fun, like, most fun I've ever had. That's how those experiences always are, though. Yeah, I mean, it definitely bonded us as a group. That class. It was a great time. I mean, I think we started out with 15 or 16 of us. We graduated, I think, 12. Um, and it's, it's the same thing like I talked about earlier. I mean, literally, of those 12 guys, I'm probably really good friends with nine of them. And mm -hmm. I could call them at pretty much any time and be like, hey, I need this, I need that, or vice versa. And, I mean, we, we help each other out left and right. And we all keep in touch, hang out, and... Um, it's it, it's a bonding experience, just like in the military. But uh, yeah, that guy beat us into the he beat us into the fucking ground. He had he was ruthless and relentless, um, and we're better for it. I mean, we really are. I mean, he it was a good class, and then he had one more class after us, and then after that he went back to the floor. Um, it was a so what, so what is back to the floor for us non firefighters? So he was a he was a training captain. He basically got told, hey, you are going to go to the training division and handle a bunch of training so he did a lot of training as far as he did all the recruit schools uh, and then he did training as far as what they pushed out to the guys that are on the floor not in the training division your regular firefighters as far as standards training ideas um, metrics we want to hit as far as hours for certain different types of training so he did all that stuff for I mean he did that for several years we, we got the back half of his career in the training division um, and he went back to the floor, so he came back as a leadership position as a captain on the floor, um, and then he just had a rowdy crew because he liked to fight fire and he was aggressive. So it was it was it was a good time. If you were on his truck, you were lucky. Um, and a couple of us, when we had the opportunity to work overtime, we're working overtime to be on his truck to be with him. So he was he was a big influence. And he's still there at the department now. He's actually promoted up to the ranks. He's back uh, back in the division he was at when he left in a higher position now. So nice. he's doing some good shit. Nice. So I'll hit on, like, so one of the funny things about, like, when I called you, so I actually had an offer. I actually got called. I think, yeah, so I actually got called about that we got the job. Mm -hmm. Two days after, because we had interviewed, or no, what was it? No, I think, before, like, the day before the interview, I was called by Triple Canopy and said I had a job there. Really? I, be, I, don't, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was like, oh, hey, by the way, I know you applied for this like two years ago, but we're just kind of reaching out and you're hired. Yeah. And you can be in Afghanistan in two weeks. So I was like, oh, well, awesome, because I fucking hate the place I work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can I, can we make it a week? I mean, I can just sell everything I have. Right. It doesn't matter. Um, but I was like, by the way, you're kind of forgetting the point thing. What are you going to pay me? And it was, it was actually not that great. Yeah. It was kind of like shitty lower enlisted, kind of like deployment pay. Yeah. And I was like, eh, yeah, well, the, the I really contract hate my job. Yeah, the contract money was already gone Yeah, by yeah, that point. it was. Because, I mean, we're looking at trash by then. So that's 2015, 16. No, 15. No, 16. No, 16. 16. Yeah. yeah, so 16. 16 by then. So it was it was trash. Yeah, it was, trash, trash, yeah. trash. The, the contract money was but not, was not like, there like you hear about. Yeah, but I was like, dude, I hate to do To do anything, I'm, really. I hate where I'm at. I'm not going anywhere. All my other career choices have tanked. Like, I was at that bottom of the yep. barrel, like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I get the call of, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna fight, this? And I'm, I'm like, fires. let's see. And then, you know, I applied and got the interview, and my interview was a joke. I got in there, they were just like, look, man, we're just going to make a few jokes with you, have a good time. You're in the military? Yeah, you're, you're hired. And I was pretty much, I mean, if you weren't like a total nerd and you had some remote experience in doing something remotely difficult, you were hired at the time. Now, it backfired for some guys who just couldn't cut it. But. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 
our, we're pretty lucky the department I'm at now that uh, that Bobby was at. We're probably I think we're like the fourth or fifth largest department in the state, um, and rapidly growing. I mean, we're, we're we're progressive, we're aggressive, and we're doing a lot of things. Um, we're playing catch up in some aspects because we're as far as departments go, we're young. I mean, we weren't fully incorporated as a fully professional department until the 70s and even then it was still years before we were fully career like very limited volunteers um so i mean our department as a whole is i mean we're less than 50 years old really which is is young in the realm of fire departments so we're playing a little bit of catch up but i mean it was pretty much like okay you got your head on the shoulders like you're you're pretty squared away like you got a shot um and you know we got we got to catch up and get some people on the floor we still had guys running one man trucks and and stuff in parts of our county so they were like yo we got to get guys on the floor and so it was like if you were squared away and you had you had an idea of what you wanted they gave you a shot um some people panned out and even now we still running recruit schools now i mean we got one now that we're kicking off 25 students um and you know that 25 you know 25 hopefully will graduate more realistically we'll probably be more around 18 to 20 and uh it, it is what it is. You you weed out who will make it, and who won't, um, but we're, we get after it, and so it's it's a good time. Yeah, I mean, I think, man, I know the the first station that I was at. I think the youngest age, besides the other guy who had just graduated, like the class before me, was everybody was older than my dad. Yeah, yeah, we're a young department now. I mean, we've got. And that was when they weren't even a whole department. They were still volunteers. Yeah. They would just come together. And so, yeah, we've been there. I've been there five years now, and we've got. So have you been at the same station the whole time? No, I've been. Uh, so I've been I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I, I when I hit the floor, I went to our uh, special operations station, which does, like, your special rescues, rope rescue, water rescue, all that stuff. I got real lucky and got, got there for my uh, probationary period. Um did my six months there as a probie, expressed interest in that, doing that type of stuff and proved I wasn't a complete moron. So they kept me around after probation period. And I spent the first about year and a half, two years at the at the same station doing that. And then I got moved to our sister station. So the way they work, you had some, you had your special operations, the main station, and then their backup station, which is special operations. Um, and I ended up moving there took a bunch of classes and all that stuff and was there for most of my uh most of my first three years or so of my career they did some restructuring we moved a full water section for water rescue to a different part um and my old captain at that time had promoted to battalion chief was like hey i need a guy over here for this would you be interested in it and my old captain that i hit the floor with was now the captain there and i was like so i'll go with my old captain my other old captain's my big boss like all right, cool, let's do it. So I moved there, spent, you know, another year and a half there, took a uh, slight detour for a little bit after getting uh, getting some work done on the old body and came back to the floor to another good station. So I'm, I'm at my fourth station now, which is the slowest station I've been at, um, but it's still a good station. I really can't <coughs> complain. Um, but I've been, for the most part, I've been pretty lucky and been always at a pretty busy popping station and I've gotten a lot of, a lot of really good experience in a short amount of time. So that little hiccup you talked about, you want you want to get into that a little bit. I mean, I know you already had a you already had a full episode on a truck company, like I mentioned at the end of last episode. But yeah, I mean, it's, we, li- uh, we like to talk about hurdles and yeah, it's one of those things, man. I just uh, I look back at it now, and the, probably the signs were there, and you just don't think to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, so for the people that don't know, I, uh, I found out in basically late fall of 2018 that they were like, hey, I, uh, we had our yearly physicals. They did, uh, we do a running test that tests your PO2 score and all that. I hopped off the treadmill and my blood pressure was astronomically high. The person doing the test was like freaking out. I was like, hey, we got to call an ambulance. Like, you should be having a stroke or a heart attack. And I was like, I feel great. And the guy that before me is like hacking up a lung. I'm like, I'm fine. They're like, no, you're going to the hospital. Um, so I got pulled off the truck, had to go to the hospital, got put on some blood pressure medicine and stuff. Um, luckily, the county has a, has a uh, physicians that have their own little office for medical stuff. And the, uh, the doctor there was like, yeah, this doesn't make sense. We're going to look into it. Found ended up finding out in the beginning of 2019 after doing a shit ton of blood tests and everything else after about four or five months like hey you have a giant tumor on your pancreas liver stomach area and so I ended up having a uh, sort of this rare tumor that you can get and even more rare for it to be cancer um, about the size of a baseball softball sort of wedged in between some organs um, ended up having a, a surgery in April, April 10th that ended up cutting out, um, half my pancreas, removing my spleen, <clears throat> one adrenal gland, uh, was in surgery for about 12 hours, spent a week and a half in the hospital with about three or four days. I, I don't, I don't know. I was, I was drugged up in the hospital for the most of the time I was there. I spent like two or three days in the ICU and then like four or five in recovery before I went home and spent about five months sleeping in a chair basically and living in a chair before I got fed up with it and got myself back to work on light duty anyways. Um, so I got, spent a little, like I said, a little, little detour, uh, came back to the floor and ended up back at another station. Um, and actually at that time, I had, before I left, I had started riding up as a driver operator. So I came back to the floor, went back to driving and actually promoted not too long after coming back to the floor as a driver. It's a hell of a detour. Yeah, a little, little detour. It was, I tell people I had the best. I don't think any form of cancer to get is good, but I had probably the best luck if you're going to get cancer. It was non-metastasized, meaning it wasn't spreading. It was all right. stuck in the tumor. Um, I had the option of doing chemo, and I was like, not doing that shit. That sounds horrible. So I just had I got a major surgery, so I got a nice zipper that goes from my sternum to my belly button now. Um they were able to cut it all out, and I've been I've been good so far on everything. On my scans, um, you know, pancreatic cancer. If uh, the people that don't know about it is, it's pretty deadly. Um, I mean, I think the survival rate is like one out of ten. It's it's pretty shitty. Um, so I got I got real lucky, um, extremely lucky. We actually just lost a guy that was an old volunteer, and then a career guy with us. He uh, he lost actually had the same doctor as me, much older guy, but he lost the battle. Um, my first captain, his dad ended up getting it and lost the battle. So I got lucky. I got super lucky. Um, I can't complain. I got, I got lucky. They did a surgery on me. I had four or five months of feeling sorry for myself and feeling like dog shit. And, uh, I got, I was able to get back to work and, and I've been blessed in that aspect. Yeah. Now mind you, as he comes over to the house and just is like, Oh, by the way, I have cancer just like that. Yeah, like I just feel like. like uh, by the way, I gotta you know, I know you have a belly full of white dog shit, but by the way, I have cancer. Yeah, like I don't mean to drop this on you, but I just have cancer. I was like, oh, it's just nonchalant. Yeah, because I remember like, this, uh, just like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I remember you. I'm pretty sure you texted me. You might have called me, and I feel like our conversation was more serious than the conversation coming from John. 
Yeah, I mean, you probably was. You probably <laughs> was. You could probably talk to a couple guys at the fire station about it. When I found out, I was just like, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> like, they say it's not that bad. It's not spreading, so they're going to cut it out. I remember I, one of the guys at the station that was next <clears> to us when I when I was driving, we ran a call in the middle of the night, some bullshit call, and I was like, hey, guys, just to give you a heads up, like, this is, I'm not going to be here after, like, three or four shifts. And, like, and like, what's going on? I was like, I found out I've got a I got this cancer I got thing. Cancer. And they were like, what? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's whatever. I was like, it's not that bad. I'm pretty lucky. They're like, it's okay. just cancer. It's just cancer. And one of my, my joke that I like to mess with people at the time when I had it, I was like, you know what they call cancer in Spanish? And my buddy was like, what? I was like, oh, cancer. <laughs> I was like, you know, and they was like, dude, you're way too calm. I was like, I mean, it is what it is. Cancer. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So I, I got lucky, man. There's there's people that have got a better story than me that, I don't, I don't know, I wouldn't say better. They've got a, a more courageous story than me have done with a lot more adversity as far as that goes. Um, I just got lucky, man. I, I don't know how because I'm yeah, not the star I, people. I'm not the star child. And right. We're pretty I got, big shit bags, I, got, so. I got plenty of faults. Um, I just I got lucky. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember, like, you had it, or I found out about it, and then it just, we just didn't talk about it anymore. And I was like, oh, well, I guess he's fine. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I still saw you on Facebook and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I got lucky. <laughs> I went to, you know, originally when I, they, my doctor was, was really awesome, um, and she was like, hey, she's like, you know, it's, it's not metastasized, it's just a big tumor, she's like, I can't tell like what all it's attached to or where it's at. She's like, you know, we're going to have to get in there and, and figure it out. She's like, but it doesn't look too bad. You know, originally I think they slated my surgery for like three or four hours and it ended up being, I think, I think my surgery was 12 hours total. Um, so my wife was still sitting there at four hour mark and then another person comes out and says, Oh, it's a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And it ended up being like, it ended up being 12 hours. I got like two blood transfusions Holy shit. Um, like I said, they, they took out 50% of my pancreas, removed my spleen, one adrenal gland, and then she was just in there, like, carving stuff out and cutting it away. It was, I mean, it was a pretty sizable tumor, which in itself, I don't know how I never realized it. Like, I didn't have any symptoms other than the high blood pressure that came. Like, I felt it's fine. Didn't have pain. Didn't have anything. I look back at pictures now, and I looked like dog shit. Like, someone should have looked at me like, bro, you don't look healthy. Like, I ballooned up in weight. I was at the heaviest I'd ever been. I was, like, 250. They're like, you don't look that good. Something's probably not right with yeah, you. But, see, but I felt fine. Ballooning up at the fire department, that's not Yeah, normal. that's pretty standard, I mean, I did the same. Yeah, I mean, we got some big boys. Don't get me wrong. But you uh, back away from that dinner table. Quite I look at those pictures now. I, I, you know, they've got the little, they've got this little thing at our department in the office where it shows pictures, your, your department picture. And mine, unfortunately, is... The fall that I found out I, I, something was wrong, and I look, I look at the picture. I'm like, God, I look so bad. I'm like, can we just tear that picture down? Like, I look like dog shit. Like, it is not a, <laughs> it is not a flattering picture when that pops up. And it's says, like when you get a bad ID pick. Yeah, oh, it pops yeah. up and it oh. says Jay Neal. I'm just like, that is that is that is an ugly dude. That is that is not flattering. That is not me now. Yeah. So, because usually, like, for 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 pictures in public service. You take like that one picture that's they, they take like yeah it's like every four that years that goes into like your uh, oh this is gonna be the one like in your, your coffin bro like, yeah that's, yeah that's the one yeah that's what I was getting at it's like <laughs> that's, that's the one they one. put in your death file and yeah. I know where where we work they had uh, that's what we called it the death file yeah it was it was not it's and not it was, a good picture yeah, yeah it's like when you're, I look much better yeah, now. you got a quarter of American flag <laughs> and you and your fat face yeah that's pretty much <laughs> what it is I'm just like oh I look did you have the 
Did you have the mustache? No, I did not have the mustache uh, at the time. No, at that point, I still had a hard time. The classic hair. handlebar. Yes, I did grow that. I grew it before we were allowed to have it and got in trouble and then shaved it. And then like three weeks later, they're like, okay, guys, we're changing the rings. You guys can have the handlebar. And I was like, damn it, I just shaved this thing off. And I had to start all over. <laughs> but it was, it was a glorious. I still can't grow one, so. It was a glorious six, six, seven months of having that before the wife finally won a bet and it, it disappeared. So. Why would you bet away the whole mustache? I was really confident in myself. And, uh. I probably should learn at this point. I'm old enough now. We've been together long enough. Like, I don't win most of these bets. Right. Because usually the bet revolves around, like, things that she knows I'm not going to win. Like, hey, how long can you go without cursing or something else? And generally, uh, I don't know why you would take that. Two minutes max. Generally, I lose those pretty quick. I should probably <clears> learn to quit betting her. We just bet today about something, and uh, I lost within five minutes when I tried to prove myself right. And I just looked at her. I was like, okay, well. I'm gonna I'm gonna pay this one back to you. Not today. Uh, you, this is gonna be an IOU because uh, I'm a little pissed off about this that I just lost this one because I was really confident. I went into it with high have like hopes. A, you should have like a bet jar. And it's not even like good bets. Like it was literally over egg rolls. She went and bought some egg rolls, and I was like, yeah, it comes with the sauce in there. It's like frozen egg rolls. We're not fancy, okay? I'm no, not, it does come with. I'm it not making sauce. This one did not. And I was like, I'm pretty sure oh, it's got. Good. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's got the sauce in there. She's like, it would say it if it was in the box. I was like, I bought these before. I'm pretty sure it's in there. Slice the box open. No sauce. I just I pulled the package out. No sauce. And I just looked at it. She's looking at me. I'm like, so you won that bet for a back massage? <laughs> Actually, let's um, change dinner. We're going to get else. I was like, you, no, you're not getting a back massage tonight. I got stuff to do. So whatever. But, you know, I'll, I'll yeah. eventually I'll figure it out. And you sacrificed the mustache for that. I did. I was, like I said, once again, I was feeling confident. I had high hopes. Oh, I was like, uh, got this. The only. And I lost very quickly. So I would never, I would never bet away my beard. I mean, mine's coming back. I had to. I had it going good, and then last drill to check out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you to, are now you're free of service. Uh, you have you completed uh, your. Uh, oh, uh, not really, because uh, the way, the typical military. Yeah, well, so there was they had to like change. Goddamn reserves. They, they had to change something like, oh, you got to go get your your uh, your CAC card or ID card. You got to go get another one. This is like on a Sunday. Now, mind you, his ETS, your ETS date was already passed, right? Uh, no, it's technically still a couple days. So um, but I was not. Regardless, it was not going to be another drill regardless. for us to be there. Yeah. So we're like, we're doing this now. Checkout was quick. Um, they're like, well, you can't check out because you can't do. It's some admin shit that they did not give us a heads up about. Um. They couldn't even tell me if I had to renew my cat card or if I was going to get a different ID or a different ID card as I was dropping to the IRR, the inactive ready reserve. The the S1 shop at my unit could not tell me any of this. I was like, cool. Um, and the Marine Corps will always talk to you like you're stupid, even though my existence has been documented in the Department of Defense forever because I was born on an Air Force base. <laughs> and then we went overseas immediately. And I had TRICARE, you know, my my whole life until probably 18 when I, like, switched over and my dad got out. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, and then we do contracts. They're, at the time, I'm sure over time they've done them differently, but we they call it, like, the 4 plus, the 4 plus 2, 6 plus 2, 6 plus 2. Same thing. So six years of 
active drilling times regular once a month yeah, two, two weeks years, two yeah. weeks a year or uh, yeah two weeks a year which is like our at our annual training and uh, and then it's those two years at the end you you have the option to keep drilling which usually some people do if they want to pick up for whatever reason but in a in a non-deployable unit <laughs> for us which is insane to think about not my option there was another plan behind that we already talked about it um then you're stuck for two more years. So I don't get my my DD-214 and my honorable discharge will come in the mail two years from right now. That is horrible. Just yeah. another reason not to join the Marines. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I mean, even, I, I mean, stuck. we have. I thought the nasty, was, I thought the nasty girl was. No. Oh, I don't mean, worry, the nasty's got her, her plagues too. Well, but. they held up, um. Our friend Troy has a very similar story like that coming off of uh, coming off of active duty and he was he was always a pretty squared away guy I mean he was in I think he was in Fallujah too um, and they just wouldn't they just wouldn't let him check out he had to get a like I said I'm not gonna drop any names or anything but like he had to get a state representative to call some people to properly get out of the Marine Corps why 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 is that why is that necessary it's easier to get out of jail yes <laughs> big facts yes. yes so anything else you want to hit on with with firefighting best job in the world and it's better than being a cop come on oh yeah i'm gonna play that card until the day i die come on i've seen the light i've seen the light <laughs> i've served i've served some i've served some sides of it in the mp yeah. world and looked into it in a career and i look at it now and i'm I should have listened to my wife in 2012. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a great job. I mean, it. I mean, it was a. It was a very good job. I mean, I can't beat it. it was a very I've, good I've got a good department. I work. We work 24 on, 48 off. So, you work 10 days a month. You know, so out of a year, I'm. You know, I'm working 120 days out of a year. Yeah. Um, it's definitely can, an interesting schedule. You can get a part-time job and still make some extra scratch and make some decent money and you still get all your benefits and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, some days suck. Some days are right. You know, yeah, that's days how it you is. You don't run a single call. There's some days you you might sleep yep. an hour that night, but yep, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, we had a our day to day at work was it was like that first half of the day. You know, everybody's just looking at stocks and Dogecoin, <laughs> and then <laughs> second half second half of the day was butt fuck. People woke I mean, up. Oh man, man it. It started going off, so you're starting to get calls out at, you know, out at the lakes and the bars and all the places you think you would. Um, all right, so you want to transition to the kind of the next big topic we got going on. Yeah, how do we want to start this one off? Um, let's, let's dig into so it. we're gonna dig into. Let me ramble too long. Yeah, we're gonna dig into constitutional carry. Um, every state currently that has passed it, what are we up to? Twenty. I just, I would just keep on seeing uh, it online. Keeps, I don't know. So I looked earlier on here. Um, I don't. I think it's still pulled up. Um, and we're recording on April seventeenth, so stuff can kind of change before this. So comes according out on to this, Monday. oh man, they just moved on me. So I want to say it's a total of. So yeah, a total of forty-five states allow open carry in at least some form. Right. Now, I don't know how many for constitutional exactly that are strictly constitutional, but. 
So for constitutional carry, I'm going to give you just the quick and dirty, uh, you know, the Wikipedia definition, which I don't know. I have a good time of reading, or I'm I'm pretty good at reading bullshit on Wikipedia. Like you know, how they say it's not a credible source well, yeah, for all those college types out there. It's pretty yeah. So in the United States, the term constitutional carry, also called permitless carry, unrestricted carry, or Vermont carry. Have you ever heard that? Vermont carry? No. Um, Maple carry. Uh, it's a actually a thing of maple syrup. Yeah, just get the Kydex no, holster but for that. You can't have Angel Mama syrup though. Yeah, it's just what they rename that to. I don't even remember now. Just ant. Just yeah, just ant syrup. All right. So this unrestricted carry or Vermont carry refers to the legal carrying of a handgun, either openly or concealed, without a license or permit. The phrase does not typically refer to the unrestricted carrying of a long gun, a knife or other weapons. The scope and applicability of constitutional carry may vary per state, which that just comes down to states' rights, which everybody at this table heavily agrees with and pushes a lot whenever you get people in Washington, D.C. telling me how I need to do stuff in South Carolina. Exactly. Just telling me how I need to do stuff in general. Correct, correct. So... Like I said, every every state kind of does their own different thing. I remember a, a common problem that we were having from people coming across North Carolina, depending on what type of permit they had, or say, say if you didn't have one, but you were still transporting it in your vehicle with however they were supposed to, they would have to put their firearm on the dash. So people would forget about it, yeah. Come into South Carolina, which most people you're you're either coming out of Charlotte or you're going down towards the beach and you get stopped in South Carolina <laughs> and Deputy Joe or you know Ohio Trooper man. Trooper Bob pulls you over and you got a gun on the dash. You got the old hog leg That's on the gonna dash. be <laughs> it's like whoa you, you can catch a, the wrong end well, of a barrel real quick. What is that? Yeah, so all this again we're speaking from the from the South Carolina perspective um, so if it's different in your state if you're listening in another state all of our knowledge is coming from South Carolina what we see um, I've had some conversations at work out of work with civilians while at work um, and I think for me I break it so there's two perspectives right there's our civilian perspective and then our law enforcement perspective and then and we'll kind of get into I guess the firefighter perspective too because I mean we I mean we make fun of EMS and fire for being quote unquote second responders but sometimes the truck gets there first sometimes the sometimes the the EMS sometimes EMS gets there first well I mean it kind of depends um so, constitutional carry, me, Aaron, views it as this is one of the first times I've seen the government on a state level, and the federal government will never do it, giving us our rights back. Because most people do not know this, most gun laws were Jim Crow laws. 
if they were to keep black people from getting guns. I said it. Most gun laws were made to keep black people from getting guns. That's what that is part of Jim Crow. It's fucked up. It's stupid, but it was a it was a blanket law that ended up affecting everybody. Mm-hmm. And I know everybody at this table agrees with that that why do I have to have a permit to carry a firearm in a country where we have the second amendment that is worded the way that it is? I mean, constitutional carry, if the state allows you to do that, is basically... And then not all, not all constitutional carry bills or laws are equal either. No, they're not. Their verbiage is it's, different and confusing state to state. But, I mean, if you, if you look at it, I mean, it's, the, it's just allowing you to use your Second Amendment, and, and that's it. That's all it is. Yeah, some of them are... Uh, it's... May issue, shall issue. Some places you got to have a permit to open carry. Some places you can open carry without one, but then you have, like, one you have to permit to open carry, another one you got to have a permit to conceal. Well, I mean, in that case, we can hit on South Carolina right now. Let's say have just passed in this session a permitless open carry, so constitutional open carry, which constitutional carry in general, not just open. And then and this is the house. It still has to go to yeah, the state. Yeah, still has Senate, to go correct? to the Senate. We'll get we'll get into that too. But so they, the first one they passed was the open carry with a permit. So you were basically, if you were a CBP holder, then you could open carry if you wanted to. Right. And then what? Two or three weeks later, they voted on the constitutional carry, which also passed the house. Mm-hmm. So now they're both sitting out there. They both passed the House. They're both waiting to go to the Senate. Which now there's talks of it will not even get to this to in this year's session. And it may sit on the back burner until next year. Which is insane because we are in April. Well, the, the crazy part is I think sometimes people at that level forget, like, you, you, you're there to serve the people. And... That takes, and it's usually you find out is, you know, oh, well, this is a back burner session thing. We're going to put this in the back burner. Meanwhile, they're worried and concerned about the silly shit of like, hey, like, can we put a 2%, you know, two, uh, we're going to do a 2% tax on alcohol sales throughout the state for some road funds. It's like, cool. Yeah. That That's like 20 minute conversation yeah, I mean, of like, yeah, we, we don't yeah. want shitty roads, and, right? And we've yeah, all South been, Carolina does have shitty roads, right. by the way. You should pass any of that if you can get right. better roads. Well, I mean, and we've all been in South Carolina long enough to where, I mean, I remember when they did. There's different counties that do penny tax, two cent tax. Um, I mean, I remember when we didn't have a lottery. When they brought the lottery in, they're like, roads and schools, roads and schools. Well, guess what? Roads and schools still suck. Bing. High garbage. Bingo. High garbage. You know, it's it's just one of those things like, why is this a back burner issue? Like, this is a major issue, especially in a southern state where guns are prevalent. Sorry, but this isn't California. This isn't New York. This isn't Chicago. You know, this is a this is a major facet of life down here. So why is this this back burner thing that we're suddenly looking at? It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, I mean, just you know, I I never really thought about it until recently, like when they were like, you know, voting on these. In South Carolina, like I can't believe it's taken until 2021 for this to even come up. Of all the states. Yeah. I mean, well, South Carolina is notorious for 
being late to the game, except that one time. Exactly. But. (laughs) (laughs) Five years. Five years. South Carolina seems to be five years behind everything. It's just, whatever's happening, it's about five years later. Suddenly, South Carolina's like, oh, you can do this. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, everyone else has been doing this for the last five, six, seven years. Yep. About the only good thing still about South Carolina is we don't do vehicle inspections. So you can rock that hoopty, those big tires, <laughs> oh, cut off that exhaust. The squat, the Carolina yeah, squat. Yeah, you got your Carolina oh, squat. That originated in Myrtle Beach, wasn't it? Dude, it's probably been Dirty Myrtle. God, if it had to originate been... anywhere, it had to originate in Dirty Myrtle. Yeah. Yeah. If you live in Myrtle Beach, I'm sorry, but yeah, still sorry. Dirty Myrtle. I mean, I, I know some good people from there, but... Um, so there's the kind of the civilian perspective on it. The other half of that, so for, you know, Deputy Aaron, um, it still doesn't bother me. I've talked to plenty of people on scenes that, you know, you go out to their property, he's going to have a gun on his hip. Um, Now, I've never been in a situation where I've had to, you know, somebody's waiting for it at the door, you know, luckily. Um... Even then, I'm still, I'm still okay with it, because that is your right to have that firearm. Period. Just because I'm a cop coming on a scene doesn't mean that I get to take your, I get to take your gun. I need to treat you differently, or you know maybe escalate the situation. You know, if you see a gun and you and you instantly point a gun at somebody, there's some places that. You know, you pull your weapon. You're, you got to do a use of force report for that. Um, like I said, I've been on plenty of scenes where there is, we, you know, you find guns in the apartment. You ask them, um, you ask them where it is, you know, in the house and on traffic stops. Um, but most decent officers and deputies that I've been with, and have been in some of these stops with. Um, I'm still going to educate you where you need to have, and this is in South Carolina, where you got to have that firearm. Glove box and center console. And then, of course, like the trunk. You can't have it in the door. You can't have it under your leg. Now, this is legally. Yeah. Um, this is what Deputy Gochner is going to tell you and where the South Carolina, where South Carolina dictates where they want that weapon if you don't have... A concealed weapons permit, you know, in regards of how the gun laws stand right now, not with what constitutional carry is going to bring. Because I'm okay with it. Because I'm not a cop that's scared of guns, which those do exist. Yeah, definitely. I see the pros and cons of it. I mean, the, to me, the of pros of it is it's, it's your right. You're a fundamental right of, of course. living in this country. If you have a right to that. Um, but I also see from the aspect of, you know, at least from to get your CWP to carry, you have to take a small course as far as mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of people out there that have guns that have never shot them, right. have never thought of carrying them or anything else, mm-hmm. and suddenly they see this as an easy way to, to carry a firearm, um, and you'd have the potential then of having Joe Schmo with his 40 who's never put a round through it walking through Walgreens on his hip getting a Coca-Cola looking like a fool yep. 
and his you know baggy leather holster and his non belt non gun that, belt hanging down to his hip. Uncle Mike's. Yeah, he's got <laughs> some that Uncle Mike's you know, Walmart got special old nylon Vietnam you know surplus store. Like there's good things and bad things to it, which. I mean, that's in anything in life, but you've got to look at the aspect of safety at some point. And I'm all for training. Like, if you're going to carry a gun, go shoot it. Get training. Know mm-hmm. how to carry it properly. Um, and there's going to be some of those people that are just – I mean, you see it now on YouTube, these people that walk around on the street with a with a holster on just to get a video, and you're just like, dude, you're, just, you're there to try yeah. to make a point, which I understand. Like, right. it's a right. You should have it. But at a certain point, like, dude, come on. You just – you look like an asshole. Like, right. You look silly walking through your neighborhood with a, you know, a vest on it and your rifle slung across your chest and you're right. just talking constitutional care. Like, I love guns. Which, luckily, we haven't my... had to. Yeah. One thing I kind of I kind of pride, pride myself for, you know, where we live and being South Carolinians, a lot of the bullshit going on right now doesn't have anything to do with us. We're... I mean, there, there's obviously bad neighborhoods, but we're a very pro-law enforcement state. Um, you know, and I've been in bigger cities, bigger counties, smaller cities, smaller counties. Um, I mean, you gotta know how to deal with it either way with with who you're dealing with. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just glad we have, we have a level of respect here in South Carolina that some of these places aren't having. Or some of the stuff that happened last summer, um, and different organizations were presenting how the police needs to fix itself, and a lot of the recommendations. Um, I can't am- remember exactly what the list was. I don't know if it was a list put out by you know the NAACP or BLM or I can't remember the the institution, but it was. Let's say it was like a list of like 20 things. And then in South Carolina, you know, dumb podunk South Carolina that everybody makes fun of, we did like, it's like, yo, we already do all that. Yeah. We did like, uh, I looked at the list and it was like 17 out of the 20, like, we already do. And it's silly. Like, a lot of it too is stuff people that think about, like, oh, this, this is like, yeah, that, that already exists. Yeah, we already do that. Like people, there's already existing laws, and people talk about stuff like, "Oh, the gun show, the public." Like, that, that doesn't exist. Like you, you do realize if you purchase a firearm anywhere, unless you live in this state, or if you person it personally from person to person, like you're gonna get a background check. Like it doesn't. Yeah, right. I mean, like, that shit doesn't exist. Man, right. There's, there's so much of that just pure ignorance that absolutely grinds my yes. heart, especially if Lord knows if you watch well, that's the what, news, well, that's one of the biggest things God. in the first responder realm. Our, so our clientele, a.k.a. the public, needs to educate itself more. Why don't you know the laws and regulations as a citizen of the United States of America as good as I do? Why not? Because nobody on TV tells them. There's your first problem. Yeah. Well, nobody on Instagram tells them. Right. Nobody on Twitter tells them. That's the problem. I mean, I've been... they got their head up their asses. I had some, uh, some intimate conversations with, with some of my Marines before I left um, that I will be on calls. And we, you know, we got the, you know, we're recording, have the body cams and all that. And I will tell somebody if something is unconstitutional, 
if that's not what the statute says, I even tell them where to look it up. Anybody can look up the South Carolina Code of Laws. Free document. It's You can literally look up every law in the state of South Carolina. And I've done it. That, that's every state, folks. If you don't know the states of your law, you want <laughs> Yeah, it's not a secret. The laws aren't a secret. You literally can go to your public library for free and say, hey, I, they, they're going to have a copy of it and get the right. entire state statute for all codes, right. laws, enforcements, and everything. Right. And then there's also resources that will even kind of dumb down those laws a little bit. I mean, and we, and we use some of those. We use some of those, too. Sometimes you got to get the you know the really formal version. That's just like why there's different versions of the Bible. There's really fancy old English versions of the Bible, and then there's like the modern Bible. I use the color inversion. <laughs> I mean, so so piggybacking off of that, if you if you kind of like stick on the same example, when it comes to concealed carry, it's the same as most people who are well versed in concealed carry laws knows what a um. You know, I don't know what term I'm looking for here, but you know, you go to a restaurant, can't carry your firearm. They try to put the sign up, tell you not to carry your concealed weapons inside the place. Mm-hmm. Anybody right. who carries a concealed firearm knows what that sign is supposed to look like. Yeah, there are certain. And there are ninety percent of them are wrong because yeah, those people are just like, I just be. don't want anybody with guns in here. Just put up a sign. It's the wrong yeah. sign. It's and the wrong place. Wrong yeah. sign. It's kind of like the location. same thing. You know? like, these and if you and know. in South Carolina, if you have a CWP instructor that's worth a fuck. Yeah. You're going to hit on that. <laughs> yes, yeah. you are. You You're going to hit on that. Just because there's a sign, like if, if old granddad writes on a piece of paper out of his printer and says, <laughs> no guns allowed, and puts it on the window, guess what? He, you can still carry there. That is not an official right. sign. It's not in the proper place. Like he, and this is concealed carry, folks. He doesn't need to know. It's your that's, right. That's your, if he knows, then you've already messed up. <laughs> you've, already, you've already failed. <laughs> you've already failed. Step one, do not um, be obvious with your concealed carry. So, yeah. So, so if you look at where South Carolina is at now, so... Hopefully, I wish they both passed the Senate for all I care. Um, but then you get into the whole argument. And you can get into, I love reading Facebook comments on articles. It is yeah, you're, yeah, you're more of a comment. Uh, uh, you're I a know. troll. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, I, I, I love I just, you like to poke the bear. I, I do like to poke the bear. I can't stand I the try, comment well, section. I can't do but... it anymore because, you know, of work. You get in trouble these days, but burner accounts, bro. We talked. We had this conversation. <laughs> burner accounts. But uh, if you get on there and just read some of the stuff, you will definitely lose brain cells. But everything I read is just these people who just don't understand guns at all. Just get into oh well, open carry straight to more violence. No matter what, no matter which way they look at it, for no other reason, open carry leads to more violence. I don't know how they get to that point at all. I'm completely, I don't even know how that works. It's just a knee-jerk reaction. People, like, you can have a thought and opinion, but on something serious, like, you need to look at it logically. You can look at the, the, the statistics and numbers, and that it's not true. There's plenty of places where there's, you know, your firearms use is so restricted, have some of the highest crime rates and violent crime rates. Where you go to other places and it's, it's not that bad and it's larger populations. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's, that's not how it works. You need to look at the numbers. And a lot of these laws that they, they enact as far as how you can carry your weapon and what your weapon can have and capacities, and it, it doesn't make a change on anything. And it just yeah. hurts your law abiding citizen. If a criminal wants to do bad, 
They're going to do bad. They're, they're criminal. They don't give a shit about the law. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. And I don't know how just because now your gun out, your gun is now out in the open, how that differs from you hiding it yeah. increases violence. I really, unless you just, unless you're, you're living in that reality where, you know, when somebody who's got a bad attitude sees somebody else with a gun, they're going to instantly try to pull their guns on each other. Whatever, unless I'm just being, you know, too close-minded about it, because I just don't, I'm not on that whole side. Maybe you can. Argue and my thing that. is too is know, if, if you have a concealed weapons program in your state, most people are still going to conceal carry. Most people don't want to open carry that do carry guns already that understand the law. Yeah. Like they don't. From my aspect, like I don't want to be an obvious target. Like if you're carrying a gun and I'm a bad guy and I'm going somewhere to do something, the guy with so the gun always... open carrying is probably going to be the first one that I, me personally, I'm like, that's probably who I need to neutralize. That's, that's impossible. That's always one of the, one of the key points that people bring up that I personally, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't care if you open or, or, or conceal carry because that you're assuming a lot there. First mm-hmm. of all, you're assuming oh, somebody is. You're assuming that somebody's going to see it on your hip. You're assume because most of these active shooters aren't us. Yeah, <laughs> they're not they're sane, not. disciplined, trained people. And I have looked like a cop my entire fucking life. It was a cock block in college. It, like it's it was a problem okay i already look the part that's so I'm, I'm so why not it. it's like fuck it yeah why not open carry I've, i mean there's I've, been sometimes when i've like it just would it just would have been more comfortable yeah definitely i mean there's definitely times when it's a hunt in south carolina and it's 110 yes. and it's humid and you're like I mean, you got to change your gun. You got a summer gun and a winter gun and a raining gun and a. (laughs) Well, you look at so, you're exactly right. They call somebody's want to see it. Well, these nerds that come in and you know these nerds that want to be active shooters, they're they're tunnel vision. They don't know. They're they're not looking for somebody with a gun. They don't they don't know that somebody's sitting in the restaurant with this shit on their hip. And one thing that a lot of people don't hear about, and I think. First time I like heard about it or read about it, I was I was reading one of uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman's books, either on killing or what's the other one? I don't know. I can't remember. On killing. We're gonna do. Did it have pictures? We're gonna do some good. It did. Yeah, it had a little bit. It had a little bit. They make noise. They still make those. I mean, I'll have they kids, make the so. they make cards. They make the cards. I've seen the cards. You got kids with a card and it makes noise. You're a winner right there. Yeah, you're automatically gonna win if you're the grandparent over the yeah. other grandparent. You gotta get that senior <laughs> card. Yeah. All right. So on killing and on combat, which I don't know if you're even listening to this and you're in law enforcement or military and you haven't read or heard or done a at least a bad death by PowerPoint on it. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but he was talking about. In those scenarios where it's, you know, a, a kid or, you know, maybe just a nerdy grown-up, um, their their brains are so, like, um, he, he gets into, like, the video game violence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of those kids, once they are confronted, they stop. Yeah. It's like they almost snap out of it. 
that dream that dream Most ends of, real quick. Yeah, right. because they're so used to oh, I can just respawn. I mean, how many dies did how many times did you die in Call of Duty last night? Oh, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Well, guess what? We can only die one time. Yeah. <laughs> um, YOLO. So when those people are confronted, they usually stop. So how am I going to confront those people when I'm in a when I'm in a gun-free zone? Yeah. Or if I'm in a certain state. Well, it's kind of like you know you look back at that. So what I think is like the coolest shit ever was that old man yeeting that dude in the church with the one headshot. Yep. Mm-hmm. That dude wasn't thinking. He he was like, I'm going to go shoot up a church. Shoot up a church is going to be easy. Yeah. But you don't shoot up a church in Texas. No. And that dude just, I mean. And any of the churches. What is great. Any churches that I've been to or dealt with in a working capacity, if they have somebody or if they have a team or if they have a plan, they're going to show that shit off real quick. They'll be like, hey, we got a team. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. See that guy with the yeah, you over see, there? Yeah, you see, yeah. Brother, you see Brother John over there? <laughs> Yeah, stand by. <laughs> like, you're like, Whoa. Dean Darrell's got an old hog leg on his yeah. side. He said, his church clothes. Skinning the smoke wagon for Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you um, gotta. Yeah, so I mean, so to go back to the whole thing is, you know, I've with the job that I'm in now, I travel a lot, and I've got to go out west a good bit where places like Utah and Alaska are like my two huge examples where you can open carry and very, 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 very pro two a states mm-hmm. yet you don't see that many people open carrying at all. And I mean, you know, you go to places like Alaska where you're you know, expected to get volatile bear run over by a moose you'd expect to see it too, but you really don't. Yeah. You really don't. Um, I mean, obviously out in the bush, dudes are, you know, just carrying whatever they got. Like, they're 10 mil block on their side, but, you know, out around, you know, the towns and cities and stuff, and then down in Utah where we're out in the middle of nowhere, like, you might see one guy open carrying. Yeah, that's what's fun. I mean, people think, like, this is going to pass, and all of a sudden you're going to go to, you know, you're going to go to the gas station and everyone's going to have have a gun on them. Like, yeah. No. Not they're they're going to pass yeah. it, and with the exception of a couple assholes, you're not going to tell a difference yeah. at all. Yeah, most people, like I said, most people, my perception is most people that already carry are going to continue to carry concealed. And then, like I said, there's going to be a few people that are they're going to do it just to do it. They think it's cool, it's easier. And then you're going to have yeah. a couple of those Ranger Ricks with every piece of fucking shit out of a book yeah. looking like a fool walking around. You're like, hey, guy. Yeah. Go go take that battle belt, put it back in your car. You're not at the gun range. Like, yeah. you don't need to walk around with a dump pouch on the back of your pants to go buy a coke. Like, calm down. Right. <laughs> People, I think it's a it's a knee jerk reaction to you regretting you more of your rights as guaranteed by being a citizen of this country. And people are like, oh my god, we can't do like what you want? I can carry a gun for yeah. You you, you were born with it. You moved here. Yeah. You're born here. Yeah. This is you now. You're right. You're I mean, a citizen of this country. This is what yeah. we do. <laughs> I mean, I still, I guess it's just the way we think, and I, I, it might come off like we're kind of oversimplifying this because of how how pro Second Amendment we are. Um, and we'll probably come back to this, and we'll probably think of questions after tonight, or my 
might um might circle back as oh, I mean, as as, as Biden's could, girl says. Um, Pataki, Pataki. Yeah. Circle back. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can do. We can sit here and talk for three hours on. Yeah. Young stuff. And then even and then before this, I look up um, the bill that's going through South Carolina, and it is it's dense. Well, I accidentally clicked on it earlier and I saw it. I was it's like, dense. There's stuff. I'm not reading this right now. Yeah, that's the full. The it's the full thing. I mean, it even has stuff like marked out, li oh, yeah. lined out like it's a oh, freaking yeah. CIA document, like blacked out. And people need to realize too, like most of what you see is is really not going to change. Like you're still not going to open carry into banks. You're still not going to be able to open carry into government facilities. Like your general right. day to day is not going to change. Right. It's gonna, you know, yeah. if you go to the bank or you go to the DMV, like your government offices, like you're not gonna see people open carrying. Like it's not right. gonna change. Like yeah. it's just we're granting you your rights, we're right. guaranteeing those rights, and it's I think in preparation for what you see at the federal level right now with what's going on, is a lot of these states that are pro two A are like, hey, we're letting you know how like we're taking the steps to to sort of distance ourselves from that mm -hmm. and see that there's 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 something that's gonna happen pretty well, soon. Well, that's what all these states are doing right now because. We're, they're trying to go in the complete opposite direction to where the federal government's going and it is to distance ourselves and let them know that we're not here to let you bully us around and you just, our rights are our rights and they're not just something written out on a piece of paper you can crumble up in the trash. Yeah, what was uh, President Biden's most recent? He was like, uh, no... No amendment no is absolute or something like that? Yeah, I was like... I was like Easy. Pretty much the speech was he like, said uh, the Constitution is not guaranteed. Yeah, the basically pretty sure a lot of people way back when yeah. did a lot of killing. Well, and the big the big reply to that is, it's like okay, you don't you don't like certain amendments. Well, you know which one we're gonna start looking at the sixteenth, which has to do with federal taxes. Well, and, and the thing is like. It's a slippery slope. Once you start For to sure. allow one thing, For sure. if the people that think like, oh yeah, guns, 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 control it, if you think they're going to come after the Second Amendment and that's all they're going to stop, yeah. If right. they, you come allow on. one that's section why this constitutional one right to away, right. it's just this, oh, well, well, hey, man, you know, maybe we want to change voting. Like, maybe we want to bring yeah. back this. You well, know, I mean, we're, we're, seeing, I mean we're seeing that. We're going to change this part of the Bill of Rights. Like, yeah. Things start to get changed. No, we're definitely seeing it right now. It's every single piece of legislation that's ever been pushed against the Second Amendment has been nothing more than a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And it continues to be that way. And they use every little thing they can. They use every little mass shooting and everything to amplify it, to slowly strip away. And there's some shit out there like, do I really care if they want to extend a background check to more, you know, to more in-depth shit? Like, I got a clean background. It doesn't really hurt my feelings. But at the same time, fuck you because it's something that goes against my right. It's just something that you're going to throw in there that's going to become a slippery slope to just to keep piling on and yep. keep piling on. Like bump stocks. Did I care? I don't have a bump stock. Don't care for one. But you banning one. They're useless. Well, yeah. I mean, but. They're a novelty. <laughs> but did I want them to ban it? Hell no because fuck you. That's why. Yeah. It's a, I just wish that more people I already already hit on 
those people would, you got to educate yourself and practice that education. And that can be applied to anything and everything. If I left, you know, say some of the times where I've gone on AT for two weeks and I wasn't policing or I was away from my security job, my short time in security, like if I'm gone for two weeks, you're not going to be as proficient when you go back. I mean, you're already, you know, a fully educated soldier, Marine, cop, whatever. But this kind of stuff, this is, this is your education as a citizen. Like, you are an American citizen every day. And you're a South Carolinian every day. So why don't you know about your gun laws? Why don't you know about the Constitution? Why don't you know anything in the SC Code of Laws? I mean, how many times have you run into a situation in your law enforcement job where somebody doesn't know their rights? Or they think they know them. Oh, yeah. Oh, they'll it's tell every day. You. They'll tell you real quick. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, that's no, actually it's like, no, not you it. Don't. Like, no, you don't, bud. Yeah. You just heard some shit on them. And I'll read it to them. TV. And I'll read it to them. I'll even hold up a phone and show it to them. Nah, nah. Yeah. Or I just keep on repeat myself. It's, it's like, all right, man. It's the way of the world. We're still taking that ride. Yeah. yeah. We're still going. You can have, you have rights, but it's also, your rights don't change, but it's dependent on you to know your rights. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's clearly documented. It's clearly out there. Don't get mad when someone comes up to you and says, well, no, you can't do that. Or they come and they yep. take that right and you get pissed off. Well, it was there the whole time. Yeah. You, it's, on, it's on you to, to know what's it going was there. on. Being an adult. I don't know why this just popped in my head, but and then they think that most cops and they're just, they just all want to arrest somebody. In South Carolina... The so, and I'm sure other states do this too. But I mean, the cops here we're kind of we're part of the we're part of the judicial system and kind of part of the executive branch at the same time. Because I'm executing enforcing those laws, but I I prosecute cases. Like so, I'm gonna. You think I'm just gonna show up and not show my and not you know have my shit ready? You think I'm not going to go over the whole statute? You think I'm not going to have, you know, some printouts of every time I came out to your house for you being a dumb shit? Mm-hmm. And you think we're not going to be ready? Something goes along with, like I was saying, we're the most educated group of first responders in the military ever, and I'm going to stick to that forever. It's not the way it was before. Education is... That's not education, but information is so freely available. Exactly. Anybody can exactly. take the time, do some reading, ask questions, and you can very quickly become versed in exactly. most aspects of life these days. I really think it, it just literally blows my mind of like just how easily accessible the internet is. And we're dumber. We have access to everything. And people are dumb. And, and we're dumber. Absolutely. I can download an dude. app and attempt to learn Russian. <laughs> But when you never could do any of that. Well, it's the same. It's the same with firearms. I mean, look at the the total bullshit you've seen. Remember the old USA Today like pictures they were putting out? Yeah. 
It's a joke. I mean, it's a joke now. We see it on the gun media yeah. pages all the time. Well, just like the stupid shit they would put on there. Yep. And just like, or what's their face? Oh, an AR-15 weighs as much as what is? Uh, what did her ass say? I, I blocked like out. Ten boxes a person was. could hold. First off, yeah. the English was terrible. Didn't make any sense. But like, yeah. as heavy as ten boxes a person would hold, or some kind of yeah, it doesn't even. Shit. It doesn't even make sense. The recoil was so bad. It's like you're, you're talking to one of the most lowest recoil. Yeah, yeah. Shoot, yeah. Like she was talking about an AR-15. Like Ghost gun shoots 30 caliber bullet clips, and you're just like, yeah, and people just... fucking believe you, dude. Like, yeah, yeah that's not how any of that works, no, guys. No, we need to buy an assault weapons. Yet, assault weapons already are not allowed to legally own by general season. That's a class three license, man. Yeah. I can't go hook up a brownie on top of not my, to mention the diffusion and roll through the town. Not to mention, like, them not shits are expensive. Works. A yeah. normal person, like a normal everyday person, oh, just yeah. can't afford a full auto. No, normal person's not going to have a fully automatic weapon. No. Pistol, whatever. Um, yeah, it blows my mind. I mean, so so going back to some of the stuff that I like to hit on, like if you, especially if this topic like interests you, you should definitely check out. I think it was his latest one. Was it Joe Rogan's latest podcast? One or, one of them. Or, I mean, he I think pumps, he pumps something yeah, out he every does day. Pump them out. Um, uh, with Coleon Noir. Yeah, so like that guy, like, I mean, he's... His channel on YouTube is a wealth of knowledge. It is. It's, 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 it's well, really and that's somebody that has educated himself. Yes. He is a lawyer. Yes. I think I think he's distanced himself from the NRA, which is good. Cause we're and, not, he so, to, and he uh, used to what? be pretty anti-gun until he right. started yeah. shooting and started fell in love with it and realized you know it's not yeah, he's what the news and, and have you ever taken anybody out. shooting that didn't have a good time nope nope oh, yeah, right. yeah. nope and if they did I probably wouldn't talk to them again so. exactly they wouldn't be your friend yeah. <laughs> yeah so I mean so that's a good one to go and watch because he he understands every side of everything and then the laws and the training side of it there's just too many there's too many resources to still be dumb yeah yeah in anything yeah it's very true you can watch videos how to shoot you can watch videos on the constitution you can watch videos how to get better at pull-ups you can watch videos on how to make money off a dogecoin (laughs) which we're you know a day or two out from that yeah from that epic um, I'm still stuck piling toilet paper. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Oh yeah, you're <laughs> still on that. Uh, yeah, dude, we're already like. Well, I'm sure we're already like ten things past that. Dude, when the apocalypse comes, did you have to? to did you have to fight a uh, murder hornet yet? No, but I got oh, hornets on my back porch. Hey. Well, probably. Let's see here. So probably 2024, <clears throat> we'll probably have just have some other miraculous pandemic again. Yeah, it'll be something. I'm gonna be yeah, a king. Be, I'm yeah, it's be coming. Prepared. It's I'm gonna coming. Be prepared. Then you'll have your stockpile and you'll be set. 80 pounds of white rice. Now, you won't have any ammo, but you will have toilet paper. <laughs> no, but I'm getting really good at a slingshot. I think, I'm gonna, yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do, slingshots. Slingshots are... Uh... Rocks are plenty in this world. Yeah. yeah. Slingshots and machetes. Oh, machetes. So, if I mean, you see me knife fighting in the neighborhood, folks, it's okay. <laughs> I'm going <gonna keep laughs> to go, I'm gonna go full Syrian and, like, get cannons and trebuchets and launch, launch propane bottles. Oh... Dude, those are, those are fun, like the propane bottle rocket launchers. Yeah, I mean, those little green ones. I mean, as long as propane, oh, as long yeah. as propane doesn't Coleman's? spike like gas, we can make that work. Yeah, I don't even want it. It could. The little Coleman now guys. Yeah. yeah, little Coleman bastards. You're like, you can buy like a pair of them for like five bucks at Walmart. Cheaper than ammo right now. That's true. Yeah, I don't think ammo's ever going down again. 
That's why I'm getting really good at slingshot. Yeah, I got. I think I got one over there. We'll go. We'll go in the back and practice here in a second. John, is there anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this up? Nah. I'm glad you came over, man. Good times. Talking about fire, Second Amendment. Yeah, all we kind of all over the place, which I mean, it is what it is. I kind of enjoyed it. A little different because. Yeah. Because the first couple is just like our kind of long form introduction. Um, like I said, we, we got into more topics today. Just let us know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, if you want us to expand on something. If you think that you know we're idiots and we need to do do more research, you can say that too. That's fine. Um, but wherever you want to say that, just make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe to all of our platforms that's what makes us grow the most you see our stuff like make sure you like it and share it because that gets it in front of more eyeballs that could be on facebook the ig make sure to stop on our uh website shopify um pretty much if you type in carolina tactics group on the computer it's going to come up and i made it that way on purpose um still got a couple hats left we're going to be experimenting with some some different logos. I have a logo. Some of y'all have seen. I got a logo in mind that Bobby put together. This is one of the one of the original ones you drew up for for deer season. Oh yeah. So we're gonna look into that. Um, get some different hats out there. Any of the t-shirts, tanks you see on there, that is all drop. That's all dropship material from. Where are we going? Purple so, right now. Yeah. So all the shirts are all dropship. Um, the hats. Which will, is convenient for us yeah. because. I was scrambling the other day to mail a hat out. Yeah, we're while so busy. I was working. Yeah, we're super busy, <laughs> so it, it's it's tough. And yeah, it's not like we have a spot to really hoard a bunch of inventory. Yeah, which I mean, I'm down. I'm down to get into, um, but so we're hoping to have, if we can make it happen, we'll have some more hats. Yeah. Possibly another style of hat. Yeah, we're gonna look um, at some different colors. Um, yeah, it's kind of all up in the works. If y'all want to see anything stuff. in particular, let us know. Until um, next time, guys. Thanks.